Today, our reading comes from the sixth chapter of Acts. This reading is the final reading of this particular series that we have been working through, Characteristics of Christians Sheltering in Place. And today, our focus is on the mission of the church. And so when we talk about ministry and mission, that is very prevalent in this particular reading here this morning. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running the food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Let me begin by just saying that ministry is messy. It is very messy. And if if I can experience one thing during this messy time in our life is that it is not the first messy time in our lives as the church. We are living in a period of time where we are so deeply divided, not just as a nation, but as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, it breaks my heart. One of the challenges for us is to be the church in ministry and in mission. And as we, as we continue to observe peaceful protests now these last two weeks, but protests over the last three weeks over the issue of racial uh, justice, racial issues, I cannot tell you how divided I have seen the church. And that's what breaks my heart. When we have such a distaste for one another that we can't even talk about it or talk to one another or listen. And so... The mess that we are in today 
I think, I believe, is a, is a holy mess. Because ministry is messy. The mission of the church is messy. That is what we learn from our reading in Acts today. This is an internal threat which has arisen from the growth of the community of faith, these early believers in Jesus. In verses 1 and 2, we read, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings, murmuring, like in the Old Testament, of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of the bread. And the ministry of the preaching of the word was becoming overburdened for the apostles. You see, that is a critical issue, the preaching of the word, because that is what this worship time is all about, is sharing the good news. But what happens when we share the good news, but not everyone hears the good news as good news? Do we just shut down? I've had some friends who have told me that they have stopped watching the news. That's probably a very good thing. I've also had some friends who have told me that they have jumped off of Facebook. That is also a very good thing, getting rid of your social media. But what are we replacing it with? Are we filling our time with more thoughts and frustrations and feelings of anger and resentment? Or are we filling that time with the Word of God, with prayer? If you thought discrimination and prejudice were new sins, they are not. They go back into the early church, and they go back even beyond that. We, as God's people, have been struggling with these issues since the beginning of time. In our reading for today, the Hellenists were Jews whose native language was Greek, not Aramaic. They weren't the Hebrew Jews. They had settled in Jerusalem and they had organized themselves into Greek-speaking synagogues. But then we find out that some of them become believers and followers of Jesus as the Messiah. And so these Hellenists in our reading today are disciples of Jesus. They are Christians. Luke presents us a picture that they are one community with two different languages and two different cultures. It's not two completely different synagogues and languages and cultures. It is one community of faith with more than one language and more than one culture coexisting. However, coexisting not without conflict. And so these Hellenists who have become ardent believers, 
are a part of this following. But some of the Hellenists, like some of the Hebrew Jews, have become fierce opponents to Jesus. And so how do they resolve this internal uh, dilemma, this internal issue of discrimination between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew or the Aramaic-speaking Jews? How to resolve church conflict? Well, they could have said, well, the Hellenists, you're just not welcome in the church. Go build your own church. We'll even donate you some land so you can build it. That wasn't the solution. Nor did they say that the Hebrews should just give up the church and let the Hellenists take it over. That wasn't the solution either. Ministry and mission are messy. It is very messy. And it is sometimes painfully messy. But some churches advertise that they don't have messes. They all think the same way on all of the issues. And if not, you're just not welcome. There are churches like this on the right side of the spectrum, and there are churches like this on the left side of the spectrum. Patty and I were back for a wedding a few years ago. Some family friends, their daughter was being married, and uh, we got reconnected with some college friends. And um, in a conversation I had with a couple of the guys, they're asking about our church out here in Arizona. And I said, well, you know, Arizona's, uh, they, they were talking politics. And I said, Arizona's a, is a purple state, I guess, you know. Uh, we have both Republicans and Democrats in the church. And, and they were just floored, like, you know, you would allow Republicans to be in your church? Um, that is an extreme position, and that is not a church. Because if we can call people of color together to be the church, if we can call people of different cultures together to be the church, should we not be able to call people of different political stripes together to be the church? The early church met together after listening they proposed a plan that the whole church agreed to, that they would designate seven deacons. Interestingly, they were all Greek-speaking Jews who would be responsible for the daily distribution of food. This was a spirit-led decision by the apostles. This decision came to them through prayer, through conversation. And the way that they agreed to it was then to present it to the whole church. And the whole church listened to their resolution to the conflict, and the whole church agreed to it. The church is about proclaiming the good news. If we can't be united and focused around that purpose, then we really are not the church. If we are going to let these divisions create such 
animosity between us, then we will never be able to do effectively any ministry or mission of the church. And this internal struggle in the early church was not their only one. There were more to come. In just the few verses after our reading today, verses 9 through 12, we hear about another struggle. This is after Stephen um, has been arrested, or when he is being arrested. Stephen, a man full of grace uh, from God and power, performed amazing miracles and sins among the people, signs among the people. Uh, But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheming Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, the teachers of the law, so that they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. This would begin the, the, the pro, profound and very long speech that Stephen gave to the high council about the Christian faith and the church. And it was that speech then which led to his death by stoning However, rather than quit, that early church continued to do its ministry and mission, even though they lost one of their beloved members, a deacon. They continued to do their work. And this was not the the first threat that they had encountered. They had encountered these threats from the beginning, In the Pentecost story from a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember how it got worded, but literally what happened was after the believers started speaking in tongues, and they weren't just speaking in tongues, they were speaking in languages that everyone uh, knew of one of those languages or another. And so as they spoke in these recognizable foreign languages, what they were saying They were speaking about the mighty acts and deeds of God, about the power of God. They were speaking of God. And there were some who didn't believe them, who didn't believe Jesus. And it says that they sneered at them and they accused them of being drunk. Peter and John... When they go to the temple to pray, they heal the the man that had been lame, sitting in front of the temple, and they encounter threats and even an arrest after healing the man, after even the people that have arrested Peter and John are amazed and thankful and grateful that the man has been healed, but nonetheless, they arrest them. And then they are prohibited, the, all the apostles are prohibited against speaking in the name of Jesus. Now, they didn't listen to that prohibition, but that was the command. And that prohibition then 
was added to with more threats and even death. Stephen was stoned to death, and those early Christians, many of them were dispersed from Jerusalem. However, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But the others moved on to Samaria and to Antioch up in the north, um, current-day Libya, uh, or, or Syria. Uh, Libya was, um, uh, I'm sorry, Antioch was the um, next largest Christian center um, outside of Jerusalem. And uh, so there already had been many believers that had been gathering in Antioch. But on their way to Antioch, Peter and John and others stopped on their way in Samaria and preached there as well. And so this was not the end of the church, these conflicts, the internal and the external. These were not the end of the church, but it became the cause of the church, the messes. And the church began to move beyond the mess. From Jerusalem to Judah to Samaria to Antioch to the ends of the earth. And that was because God is faithful. They knew that God remained faithful even in the midst of the mess. God is faithful. God is so good. Let's listen to that song. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest nights, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after. 
church encountered the conflict, they experienced the mess, and then began with a new vision for mission and for ministry. They restructured the church, which enabled the church to move beyond the city of Jerusalem. Philip went to Samaria, where he began to preach there, and many who heard him preach became followers of Jesus. And while he was there, the Holy Spirit called him and told him to go to the wilderness road on the way down to Gaza. And it just so happened as he followed the Lord's calling onto that road that he encountered an Ethiopian eunuch who was struggling to understand the prophet Isaiah. And Philip was able to explain it to him. And the, the Ethiopian eunuch, this dark-skinned man, was so grateful for what Peter or what uh, Philip had been able to teach him, and when he talked about baptism, the Ethiopian said to Philip, "What, what's to prevent me from being baptized?" And Philip said nothing, and he said, "Let's get down into the pool of water here, and I'll baptize you." And so he did. A new follower of Jesus. And then remember what Gamaliel, the expert in religious law, had said to the Sanhedrin, this religious council, the high council. They had been uh, debating the apostles. They had rearrested them. This is in chapter 5. And the response of the apostles had infuriated the council. And so the council were all breathing, let's kill them all. And this was Gamaliel's suggestion in uh, verses 38 and 39. So my advice is to leave these men alone. Let them go. For if they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if, if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. fighting against God. What if these times of chaos were not something to ignore, but something for us as the church to live into? A friend told me this past week, I am appreciative of this, he's been listening to my new podcast, Devotional, and he said uh, on last Wednesday, we, we preached about the, uh, the death of Jesus and when the temple of the curtain was torn in two, and this friend shared with me um, that what for him, what that meant as he heard that scripture read 
for him what it was saying was that we as the church need to re-envision our mission and not rely on all of the traditions of the past. But we need to look at where God is calling us. And we need to follow God into these new wilderness roads, into these new territories where we don't even know who is there. We are living today with COVID-19, and even this dreadful disease is dividing us. As we experience these nightly protests for justice for people of color, we are divided. But what if we saw these not as threats, but as opportunities for mission and for ministry? Did you know that 21% of all Arizona children live under the federal guidelines for poverty? There's an issue there, isn't there? Is this an opportunity for mission? We might not all agree, but is that where God is calling us? What if we as a church began to go into the world as God calls us to bring aid and comfort to the widows, to the poor, to the oppressed, and to announce good news to those who are in bondage, whether it's physical bondage in prisons or spiritual bondage in our sinfulness. If we begin to follow Jesus into these difficult issues, would we begin to look a lot more like Jesus? What would it look like? What would it look like if we loved one another as God has loved us? What would it look like if we loved one another, even people that look different from us, even people that we disagree with? What would that look like if we loved them as God loves us? What if we began to care for one another? What if rather than heaping burdens upon other people, we actually took their burdens and carried it for them. I have a friend, Sarah, whom I've had the privilege of getting to know over the past couple of years. She is an African-American, and her husband, who is now deceased, was a Lutheran pastor. Sarah told me this past week that she had hope for this world, that she had hope that the people of color will begin to experience more equality. She said that she has hope for our church as well. And then my favorite line is she looked me straight in the eye and she said, Steve, I even have hope for you. <laughs> I am moved by the faith and hope that Sarah has. My prayer as a proclaimer of the good news is that we would continue to be focused on that. Proclaiming the good news. Caring for those who are in need. Listening to God. And rebuilding the mission of the church. Not by what we think is right. But by where Jesus has led us. And continues to lead us. Friends, 
there is hope for us, even us. Let's be the church. Amen.